This is Jared O'Brien for the Christians Engaging Culture podcast. Christians Engaging Culture exists to equip Christians to give a faithful answer in everyday cultural conversations and to turn those conversations to the gospel. We are so excited that David Robertson has come on board one day a week at St. Thomas's to help us with evangelism during this time of COVID. David has started a podcast with his third space colleague, Stephen McAlpin, called Life in Wartime. They are helping us think about this pandemic through Christian lenses. I definitely recommend you subscribe to it. To give you a taste, today we're listening to the first episode they made for it back on the 3rd of April, where among other things, they reflect on what C.S. Lewis said to his nation in a time of crisis with World War II and how it might apply to us today. We're very thankful to David for giving us permission to republish it here. And if you look in the show notes, I provided a link to the Life in Wartime podcast and to Third Space. I hope you find it helpful. He has infinity in which to listen to the split second of prayer put up by a pilot as his plane crashes in place. Coming in on a wing and a prayer Though there's one motor gone We can still carry on Coming in on a wing and a prayer Welcome to Third Space's Life in Wartime podcast where we aim to fill the yawning gap between the Christian church and secular culture. In particular, the global crisis that we find ourselves in and all the implications we find for living in wartime. I'm David Robertson. And I'm Steve McAlpine. Yeah, we are living in wartime, or so the Prime Minister told us. That's the words they used. Uh, that's what it's around the media as well. This is a time of war. And uh, war uh, brings all sorts of stresses as people try and decide what's important, what to leave out, uh, what they thought was important, but no longer seems to be. But this is not the first time that Christians have lived through these sorts of things, or even through a war. And we're going to uh, give some perspective on this crisis from a Christian point of view as we look out on the COVID crisis in particular, but also uh, lay down some ground rules for how we deal with crises in general. Yeah, in this episode, we are going to have a look at life in wartime. And uh, I want you to listen to this, Steve, because this is not the first time we've had this. This is a very rare recording of a very famous person. But let's listen to this and then we'll get into uh, what this episode is really about. Almost certainly, God is not in time. His life doesn't consist of moments following one another. If a million people are praying to him at 10.30 tonight, he hasn't got to listen to them all in that one little snippet which we call 10.30. and every other moment from the beginning to the end of the world is always the present for him. Well, that's obviously C.S. Lewis, uh, but it doesn't sound obvious to me for a Northern Irish accent to sound like it was brought up in Buckingham Palace. Uh, but yeah, astonishing to hear that and to hear someone so famous from so long ago. But he's saying this isn't a new situation. Is that what you're getting at? That human life has always always been through these struggles? Is that is that how you're seeing things, Dave? Yeah, I mean, he that came from 1944, and that is an actual recording. I think it's the only recording of Lewis giving his 
uh, talks on the BBC during the Second World War, which turned up into one of the most famous books, Christian books ever written, Mere Christianity. Uh, and there he's, he, he's talking about prayer. But I've got in front of me uh, an even more astonishing thing, which is a sermon by him preached in the Church of St. Mary the Virgin in 19, autumn 1939, just as Britain was going to war. And that question of human life always on the edge of a precipice, he says this, the war creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human situation so that we can no lo longer ignore it. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Human culture has always had to exist under the shadow of something infinitely more important than itself. And I think, uh, and I'm going to throw this back to you, Steve, whether you agree with this, that in actual fact, people are thinking this is so surreal. This is so new. This has never happened before. What they really mean is it's not happened in our lifetime. Actually, this is the normal situation. Hmm. Do you think people think that that's normal? Do you think that they've just forgotten that? Well, I think we live in, under the, the terror of the immediate, if you like. We, 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 we don't have a historical sense at all. Yeah, look, history is an interesting thing. Um, obviously, there's the history wars and things like that. But how do you use history today then to figure this stuff out? Uh, can we go back to history anymore and just find out what the answers are? It doesn't seem that we have done that very well. Can we do that? Yeah, I think we can. I mean, I, I don't want to sound obsessive, but um, maybe, maybe I am. I am a historian and I started looking up all the different things about plagues. And here's the most amazing thing. Um, you've got the Antonine Plague in AD 165, you've got the plague that existed for Cyprian in the fourth century. You've got the Black Death in the 14th century. Uh, and the church has always lived with these. And I think history helps us. So I'm going to read you a quote uh, again from C.S. Lewis. And when I'm finished, I'm just going to let you uh, comment on it if you wish, because, again, this was, for me, stunning. He says, most of all, we need an intimate knowledge of the past. Not that the past has any magic about it, but because we cannot study the future and yet need something to set against the present to remind us that periods and that much which seems certain to the uneducated is merely temporary fashion. Actually, I'm going to stop. I'm going to split this into two, because that first bit... Do you think that actually we've got this wrong, that we keep, we keep trying to project into the future what we think will happen rather than learning from the past? Yeah, we, well, we are progressive, you know, we are progressive thinking, like we're always looking at what the future is and every ad seems to say it. Do you, do you think that means we've lost any sense of history at all and so we're sort of groundless? Yeah, I, 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 and I think when we've looked at the, the COVID-19 thing, you've always got people saying, well, in two weeks, this is going to happen, or in four weeks, this is going to happen, or in 12 months, this is going to happen. And I find myself increasingly going, unusually for me, I don't know. I just don't know. I really don't know. I'm very confused. But when I look at the past, there's something concrete there. And Lewis goes on mm -hmm. to say, a man who has lived in many places is not likely to be deceived by the local errors of his native village. The scholar has lived in many times and is therefore in some degree immune from the great cataract of nonsense that pours from the press and the microphone of his own age. Um, do you want to update that quote? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just wondering, you know, you think of social media is the way we roam around. When you say, we can't all be scholars. He does mention scholars. Do you think there's something for every person to say, here's how I can learn from that? Yeah, I do. I, I think that if you can get a wider context, it really, really does help. 
So I think when we are physically isolated in our own compartments, when we've just got, we, we think social media or the internet is a great way for us learning. And in some ways it is, but in other ways, it's a way for us to close in on ourselves. And I think being able to take a wider perspective for the Christian is, is, is truly wonderful. And I, I just love that image, don't you, of, of uh, uh, your native village, you know, if you've just lived in your native village, you don't know anything else. And if we've just lived in our own time, we don't know anything else. And that is the advantage of knowing what's happened in the past. Yeah, that's, that's good. And now, um, you know, as, as we think about his past, uh, the, that's the Nazis, right? We're saying we're not going back to that and we're not in that situation at the moment. What are the enemies that we're facing in this situation, do you think? And what was Lewis saying about that? he was talking about the enemies that we face within. So, and the uh, one I got straight away, and I must admit the other two I didn't get, the one I got was fear and we'll come to that. But the first one was excitement. The tendency he says to think and feel about the war when we had intended to think about our work and basically just becoming obsessed. So when the bushfires were on, for example, I had a fire app on my phone and now I've got a COVID-19 app on my phone and whatever the next thing I'll probably have that yeah zombie app a 20 a 24 7 thing is like you know excitement we're excited about this and he's saying well we we've got to realize that we cannot govern in that way he talks about how governments are pushed by excitement basically hysteria and public pressure and then the second enemy he talks about is frustration the feeling that we shall not have time to finish um, and I love his answer to that. He, he said, if I say to you that no one has time to finish, that the longest human life leaves a man in any branch of learning a beginner, I shall seem to you to be saying something quite academic and theoretical. But I think that's wonderful. I think in this life, it's a taster. We're only on a journey. And he's basically saying, just as we can look at the past, so we need to learn to leave the future in God's hands. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find that enormously comforting. Yeah, look, I, I, I think we're, we're not that kind of people in general, are we? So it's going to be something to learn. Um, and people are sort of in shutdown mode. But I think the question I'd ask, and Lewis seems to intimate at it, is why would we do more than just survive right now? Why would I not just get beans and spam and toilet roll and shotguns and head for the hills and say life is going to be grim I think there's two reasons. One is his third enemy, which is fear. And he just points out logically, what does war do to death? It certainly does not make it more frequent. 100% of us die and the percentage cannot be increased. Um, he, he then goes on to talk about war makes death real to us. And that's really a blessing because the cr great Christians of the past would have thought it good that we were always aware of our mortality. Uh, and I think that's true. But the question that you asked when we are conscious of mortality, it means it doesn't mean we do nothing. It means we have the freedom, if you like, to do everything in that um, beauty and the search for knowledge. These are things that we do living under this constant awareness that as human beings, we are mortal. And actually, it's as we look for immortality, as we look for the eternal, for the eternal, that it just makes a huge and massive difference. But you're right, Steve, we we don't live like that and maybe as christians we should be living like that yeah that that'll be a good message i think coming out of this perhaps for um as we preach even in churches and as we think about how we engage with people about jesus and who he is 
Yeah. And I think this, that all the schemes of man, says Lewis, are doomed to a final frustration. But in ordinary times, only a wise man can realize it. Now the stupid is us, stupid is us of, of us, no. And I, I think that's, here we are as Christians in the middle of a wartime situation, and we live looking and seeking for beauty and to know Christ. Well, I guess we're bringing it back to uh, C.S. Lewis and his comments on prayer. And you think, why prayer? I mean, he did those broadcasts nearly 80 years ago. Uh, we've moved on then, from then, surely. Uh, why would we bother with something as vague and as unpopular, I guess, now in 2020 as prayer in this time of war? We do talk about prayer. Uh, when there's a terrorist incident, we say thoughts and prayers. But we don't collectively get together to pray for things like this. Why would we do that? Well, yeah, Steve, that's, yeah, that's, that's a question I hear a lot. So when we had the bushfires, for example, say we're praying for rain, and then people said, where's your God? And then there wasn't enough rain and there was too much. And, you know, it's just, you know, what do we mean when we talk about praying for pray, praying for different things? And I loved Lewis in that he's giving an answer to a, a skeptical question of how can God hear millions of prayers at once? And he gives a very philosophical answer, but he gives it in such a wonderful way that it was this mere Christianity was for the ordinary man. And he just talks about how God is infinite outside of time and so on. I'm not so interested in the mechanics of prayer, though. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in can we pray and does it make any difference? And I think that one of the, the key issues there for me is uh, when Paul in Second Corinthians talks about him being released to, to prosper and to speak to them in terms of the gospel in answer to their prayers. I think that God uses prayer. I think something like COVID-19 makes us just realize how helpless we are. We can't control the climate. We can't control viruses. We can mitigate effects. But we pray because we believe that there is a sovereign God who is in charge of everything. And more than that, we believe that he's good. But I'm interested, Steve, um, how would you answer your own question? Why should we pray? Uh, well, I think in one sense, uh, the same reasons that you say, because I think it works and it's right because of the God that we worship. I also think that talking about prayer publicly, the way Lewis did, is we think about the fact that he went on the BBC in a time of war and talked about prayer is um, you give it plausibility again to talk about it in the public square in a way that we haven't been able to talk about it in the public square in our generations. We're already got, you know, schools are looking to shut those things down. And the way he goes back in to show history and the way things operate seems to be that he's saying, you've got to get back to the source of things in times of crisis. Yeah. And I, I genuinely believe that. I mean, I've been involved in, in helping uh, Christian media coordinate prayer about the COVID virus. And uh, I've just found that it's been incredibly wonderful to have Christians from all different backgrounds actually praying to the one God and praying with one purpose. And I genuinely do believe that God hears and answers prayer. Um, you and I have both ex experienced direct answers to prayer. But for me, the indirect answers are just as wonderful. Uh, and I think one of the things that this virus is teaching us is the world is not as safe as we thought it, it was or it should be, and that we're not in charge. 
but also that there is a God who hears and answers prayer. I think that's a very important lesson for us to take away. While we're here, I just want to point out another great resource, Evangelism in a Skeptical World with Sam Chan. It's uh, really a, uh, about the non-Christians we speak to today are generally post-church, post-reach, post-Christendom, post-everything. If we're going to tell our friends about Jesus, we're going to need new approaches that take into account who they are and the world they live in. And this is a six-part super podcast by Sam Chan, who authored that book, Evangelism in a Skeptical World, and he's an evangelist for City Bible Forum. And Sam talks Mark Hadley through a collection of 15-minute evangelism life hacks that will help you give your friends the gospel in a way they're prepared to hear it. And you can find that on eternitypodcast.com. Okay, we're just about done. Thanks for being with us. Hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you'll join us next week when uh, Steve is going to be leading us in. Well, Steve, what are you going to be doing? Well, we're going to talk about love in wartime. Are we going to be more loving in difficult times or does it just show us up for what we are? So that's what we're going to look at. But that's all for now. Uh, see you next time. One of our planes was missing two hours overdue. One of our planes was missing with all its gallant crew. The radio sets were humming. They waited for the word. Then a voice broke through the humming and this is what they heard. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. Thanks for entering the third space with us. Uh, Life in Wartime is hosted by me, David Robertson, and my friend and colleague, Steve McAlpine, produced by Janelle Muller and edited by Peter Lavarock. Third Space is part of the Eternity Podcast Network, an audio collection showcasing the seriously good news of faith today. Head to thirdspace.org.au where you'll find show notes and other stuff related to our episodes. And click on to our Facebook page to join in the debate. How we sing as we limp through the air. Look below, there's our field over there. With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, we're coming in on a wing and a prayer. You've been listening to the Eternity Podcast Network, eternitypodcasts.com.au. Well, I hope you found that helpful as we seek to live for Jesus in this time of COVID. Thank you for listening to Christians Engaging Culture. And until next time, always remember that Jesus is a far greater saviour than you are a sinner.